0: We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of
1: God. Thank you, Alex. I'm certainly glad, my friend, to be on the air again today with the wonderful message of the wonderful grace of God found in the wonderful Word of God. You know, one of the... One of the wonderful things about the grace of God is that it provides us with with everything that God has for us in Christ. And it gives it to us as a gift completely and totally up front uh, in the Christian life. Uh, Grace is all that God is free to do for us through the finished work of Christ. And that's why Paul says that he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And And in Christ he's made us complete In Christ. That is, everything God has for us has already been provided for us fully and completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he gives us a complete book, a complete revelation of all that information in the Bible. And the Bible is complete. There's no need for God to say any more, to teach any more, to do any more than what he's already done, said, and taught. And he put in his book. He wrote the Word of God and he preserved it through time for us that you and I, might be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. And we've said to you many times, that word perfect in the Bible is not sinless perfection. Uh, it's not faultless. It's not having no imperfections in the sense of uh, moral or spiritual uh, declension. God, you know, it, it, we like the wham, bam, click, click, just, you know, make a perfect saint that quick kind of thing. And that isn't what God's doing. Perfect in the Bible has nothing to do with being sinlessly uh, perfect. When the Bible says, "Bible talks about, uh, uh, Paul says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, he's talking about people that are mature, people that are complete, people that are, are grown up spiritually, that the man of God may be perfect, definition, thoroughly furnished to every good work. Because God's Word is complete, He has provided for you all of the information you'll ever need to do everything God has for you to do. That's why he says that, that His grace is Uh, he he is is made available to you and that the the wonderful measure of his grace is that uh, god is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work to be sufficient is to be able to stand lacking nothing Requiring nothing extra. Able to stand because everything you need is there. You are sufficient. You have this complete identity in Christ, blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And then you have the Word of God that is completely sufficient to tell you about and give you the information that you need to know, everything uh, that you need to know uh, about what God has, about the will of God for you and all the details of your life. Don't be caught up into this... uh, Actually, it's a pagan theology where you're looking around at your circumstances, expecting your circumstances to teach you. My friend, circumstances, events in life are just that. They are just events in life. They have no meaning. They have no message to proclaim to you apart from what God has revealed in his word. Revelation comes through the word of God. God's means of communicating to you is not his uh, is not your circumstances it is his word and to say it's otherwise is to say the word of god is not complete for you to say i need god to do something in my circumstances to show me that he loves me is to say the cross isn't enough for you god commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us god's love for you is tied to one event in human history, and that's the cross. It's not tied to your financial status. It's not tied to the state of your romantic life or your your marriage or your health or how your kids are performing or the way your job's going. It's tied to the cross. In spite of all of the circumstances of life, the the love of God is consistent because of Calvary, and you can know it. And you can believe it. And it's revealed to you and made known to you to rest in through God's Word. You see, God has given you and me as believers operating assets that are designed to enhance our life as we live day by day under grace. Operating assets that are designed to enhance the application of God's grace to us in Christ to the details of our life, to enhance the grace life. He's given us His Word. Uh, the written word of God, to communicate his mind, his thinking, to us. he's given us, God, the Holy Spirit, as the indwelling resident applicator of his word, as the seal. We're sealed with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, until the day of redemption. He's given us the, the local assembly of believers as, a, as an asset in which we can go and, and function together. And the local church really, literally, in Paul's epistles, is sort of like a life science laboratory where you learn doctrine, not just theoretically, not just in the classroom setting. Now, a local church is a classroom for the, the communication of sound doctrine, pastors and teachers that, that communicate the doctrine to us. And that's an asset but the local church is more than just a classroom, a lecture room. It's like a life science laboratory where you work together with other believers in, in order to learn not just uh in uh, headwise and intellectually, but experientially to learn to put these how the truths of grace rooted into your life and bear fruit in connection with other members of the body of Christ. You see, one of the things you learn in a local assembly is how to function together in the in the unity that God has placed into the church, the body of Christ. You could never do that unless you're with other members of the body. And so every, every member contributes that which is his measure to contribute so that the whole is edified. Well, in these operating assets, there's one asset that uh, uh, one other asset that for you and me as believers is a tremendous blessing and is designed to be, and that's the asset of Pauline prayer. Uh, You and I are exhorted by the Apostle Paul to pray in the Spirit. That is, to pray uh, in line with the Word of God rightly divided, to pray in unison with what God the Holy Spirit is doing in the dispensation of grace and doing in the details of our lives as members of the Church of the Body of Christ in the dispensation of grace. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, and He energizes the doctrine, the sound doctrine out of the Word in our hearts by making uh, us accountable and enhancing our accountability, enlightening and empowering us, and by the application of the details of, of of scripture to the situations of our life, and that's what prayer is really about. Prayer in, 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 for the believer today is not just simply an emotional experience, whether it's a fanatic, you know experience of fanaticism or formal solemnity. Um, it isn't a place where you go to try to get impressions from God for Him to uh, so-called lead you. I remember years ago I was in a Bible conference in Texas and uh, we'd been talking about right division and I'd been drawing a, a right division chart on the board and been, been going through it for uh, several sessions. And there was a lady sitting on the front, on the front row and she in, in the last session she, she began to cry and she just bawled, wept like a baby. And after it was over with, I, I went and asked her, I said, is there, you know, is there a problem? Is there something I can do to help you? And she says, well, you know, I see what you're saying there and I see that it's true. I, I see it in the verses in god's word and she says does does that mean that i that i can't pray in the spirit and i said well that's how you pray in the spirit and she says well i meant you know i wanted to to talk in tongues and and, and pray in in, in, a, in a special language that i have and so on and so forth and I said to her, I said, well, do you understand from what you've studied in the Scripture that that has nothing to do with what God's doing? She says, yes, I, I see that, that that has nothing to do with what God's doing today. It's nothing to do with His Word. It's just something that I want to do. And I said, well, ma'am, you know, if you want to, if you, if you can you can do whatever you want to do, if you can do it and say God isn't doing it, and, you know, I didn't think anything he wants you to do. It's not anything he's inspiring you or motivating you to do or empowering you to do. It's just something you want to do. I said, well, then just go on and do it. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, well, Brother Rick, that sort of takes all the, all the pleasure out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, see, that's the problem. If you're doing it to get pleasure, emotion, well, that's not what prayer is all about. Prayer also is not a process of guesswork where you you're you know you just pray, oh Lord, you know well, if you want to do that, do this, and if you want to do that, do the other thing it's not a it's not a positive mental attitude, an intellectual recall kind of thing where you where you convince yourself of something just because you talk about it. That's the way the world uses prayer, you know sort of as a meditative device of positive mental attitude, whatever your mind can conceive you can achieve. It's also not praying by sight uh, that's the way most Christians do it. Go to the average prayer meeting today. Uh, this week, go to the average prayer meeting in the average church, and you'll see that what's being dealt with primarily are the temporal matters and needs of people. Why, while the Bible says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are seen are eternal. Prayer is not designed to, for you to walk by sight and just respond to what you see. Now when you see a when you see a need, what does faith do? It says don't look at what's seen, look at what's not seen. Look beyond the physical to the real spiritual need behind that. And that's what you pray on. That's what you focus about. Prayer isn't Israel's law motivated, performance oriented communicating with God by which believers obtain blessings by uh, having divine intervention in the circumstances of their life as they struggle from one crisis problem to the next. Um, Israel's prayers were characterized by uh, both sincere praise to God and by their perpetual begging him for for mercy and for deliverance and forgiveness and for healing. My friend of the dispensation of grace, Um. Prayer is not measured by moving rocks or clouds or cold fronts or by adding uh, zeros to your bank account or that kind of thing. Prayer and the dispensation of grace is the work of God the Holy Spirit resulting from the principle of grace. The principle of grace demands the response of faith. Now you remember... The basic principle in, 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 in your life and mine today, the will of God in the dispensation of grace is executed through the Word of God working in the inner man of a believer. He strengthens us by His Spirit in the inner man. God the Holy Spirit works in our inner man. And the will of God is going to be accomplished by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God taking His Word and working in your inner man now that's what romans chapter 8 is talking about when it talks about and paul says uh, that likewise the spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit also itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now this issue about praying and by the way prayer is simply by definition talking to God. For a believer, it would be talking to your best friend and expressing your heart and, and, and expressing your concern for whatever the situation is you're in. It's an intelligent, personal communication with a Heavenly Father who loves you and who you love. And it's just an outflow of a relationship that I have with God through Jesus Christ. It is a natural thing. Uh, Prayer is not something that you use as a way to get what you want from God it's not a ritual to make you more spiritual it's not something you know God's not some vending machine up in the sky where if you just put in the right coinage you can pull a lever and get what you want and to reduce prayer to that to reduce prayer to a formula to follow to to approach God rather than making it what it is in the Bible. The, uh, just communion with God as a result of a personal relationship with him is to destroy what prayer is all about that's why we're to pray in the name of Jesus in, in the name of Jesus that's not a formula that you add at the end of your prayers that's the attitude with which you approach God uh, when you say we pray in the name of Jesus Ephesians 5 Paul says that's how we pray that's an expression of our knowledge that we have no righteousness of our own no right of of our own to approach God but Jesus Christ has given us his right his righteousness and we come boldly with confidence by the faith of him you see the the purpose of Christ in redemption in redeeming us and saving us is to give us a personal relationship with God and that's the basis of prayer the basis of my approaching and talking and communion with God is the cross work of Jesus Christ. And prayer is not simply trying to get something from God. It's not the name it and claim it. It's not the, you know, I'll, I'll claim finances and health and, 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 and blessing and so forth and get it because I've claimed. It's, it's not that getting material or financial gain from God. Paul says, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Why? If godliness with contentment is great gain, (laughs) what does God consider to be great gain? I mean, what 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 do you really need anyway? See? And prayer is not designed, by the way, to relieve guilt. You know what relieves guilt? The cross, the blood of Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. If you're redeemed and you're forgiven in Christ, and Christ lives in you, I mean, what's the point? What's your problem? There's where you find guilt taken care of. That's where you find forgiveness. You see, you don't need to pray about forgiveness. You need to believe the facts about the cross, and that'll take care of it. When Paul says the Spirit helps our infirmities, he explains this: how the Spirit, how we pray in the Spirit, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now, when he says we don't know what to pray for as we ought, we ought to know because the Word tells us how to pray. By the way, you have two ears and one mouth. My dad used to say that to me all the time. Son, how many ears do you have? Two. How many mouths? One. Well, then maybe you ought to listen twice as much as you talk. (laughs) You know that. Well, you see, prayer is the same way. God expects us to listen to him. How do you listen to God? No, you don't go off in a closet and say, Speak, Lord. Talk to me. No. God already has spoken. It's a cardinal tenet of the Christian faith that God has spoken. And that revelation has been written down in a book. And that book is complete. So if you want to listen to God speak, you get into God's word. Now, if you're going to commune with, with, with your Heavenly Father, if you're going to talk to God, if you're going to have personal, intelligent communion with a Heavenly Father that loves you and that you love, and you're going to talk with your best friend uh, about what's on your heart, about the situation and circumstances you're in, then you're going to talk to him and pour out your heart to him about whatever the situation is. And then you're going to listen to what he says. How are you going to listen? You're going to have to get your Bible and take your Bible and study your Bible. None of this, I'm looking around for something, you know, God's going to put something across my path and I'm going to know he's directing me. No, no, no. Don't practice some kind of heathen paganism. Don't start using prayer as a means of divination. Use the word of God for what it's meant to be. God speak to you. Now you say, but Brother Rick, I don't know what God's Word has to say. Well, then find out. You see, that's what study is about. That's what personal intake of sound doctrine is all about. That's why we talk to you week after week here about rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Why? Well, if you can rightly divide God's Word, then you can be a proof workman. You don't need me or any other preacher. You can stand on your own two feet Go to God's Word, get the information out of it yourself, and then by faith apply it to the details of life. There needs to be personal Bible study, proper Bible study. Then there is the the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. There the fellowship of other saints who've been there, done that, found the answer ahead of time. What a blessing it is to be able to fellowship in the in the assembly of believers. We've had people in our assembly just, just uh, you know, go through difficulties and uh, heartaches. And every time it happens, someone will come along from the assembly and say, you know, I've been there, I've had that. We just found that this was the scripture that, that applied to that. and give. So you see, tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope because you've been through trouble stayed by the word you've got some experience and when someone else goes through it they they have the fellow members of the body to give them experience with but what are they going to be able to teach them they're going to teach them the doctrine so i pray about it i think about it i talk to god about it i pour out my heart with him I'm prayerful about everything then i listen to what he has to say and you see what he does we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is going to intercede for us. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession according to the, for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the Holy Spirit's intercession is explained in verse 27 as being according to the will of God. Now, where are you going to find the will of God? Well, you're going to find it in the book. Ephesians 1, verse 9, Paul says that God has made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in himself. Think about that. God has made known the mystery, the secret of his will. Well, if he has revealed his secret will, then is there any secret will left? No. It's been revealed. If the verse means what it says. Now, if you don't believe the verses, then just... Wait a few minutes, and you can listen to somebody else. But God says he's He's made the secret known. There's no secret will of God for your life. His will for your life has been completely and totally revealed in his word. So how is the Spirit of God, who makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, what's he going to do? The Spirit of God is going to take the word of God, and with the sound doctrine out of the word of God, he's going to guide your life. How? Through the application of sound doctrine out of the Word of God, rightly divided. That's how the Holy Spirit guides our intercession to the real needs. You see, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He can get right down to the deepest real need in the issue, not the surface need, but the real issue, the spiritual issue underneath the surface. A groanings that can't be uttered. You remember the Lord Jesus Christ stood at the grave of Lazarus in John 11:35. Have a scripture quote in contest everybody. Every kid knows that verse. Jesus wept. What did he do? Well, he came, uh, tears are called agony and solution. There came a point where there just wasn't anything to say. He just wept. You couldn't utter the sorrow, but he expressed it. And God the Holy Spirit takes sound doctrine from the Word of God, and leads, guides through that doctrine, through that spiritual understanding and being applied to the circumstances of life right down the deepest levels of our human need. So Paul says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. When he says, We know that all things work together, that verse has a context We know that all this application of sound doctrine to the details of our life works good. And what is the good? It's that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. God is working in the lives of believers, the Holy Spirit working through the power of the Word of God in your life to bring you into conformity to Jesus Christ. Time's almost gone. Let me give you a free Bible study tape entitled, Unanswered Prayer, Its Cause and Its Cure. My friend, if you've ever struggled with this wonderful asset of prayer in your life, if you've ever struggled with the, the issue of unanswered prayer, you need to listen to this tape. There's some doctrine on this tape that will deliberate you and cause the, the, the your prayer life to become the divine operating asset God has determined and planned for it to be. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at at, at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a we have a rather uniquely designed 3-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is is unique in, in several ways. First, we we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are Uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of, of video. In other words, we we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the, and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number, again, is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio, and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God rightly divided, and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me, and we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That number, again, is 888 535 2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. I want to